Good morning. It's an absolute blessing for me to come to you today. Today I've got a wonderful message for you. We're going to be teaching about changing the world and being saved from the world. There's a big difference between the two. For so many times we've taken the burden upon ourselves as Christians to change the world. But are we called to change the world? If we look at the world and what is going on in the world, we find that it is a great struggle for many Christians to change the world. And we feel guilty because we are seeing that the world is not really changing the way we supposed to or what we th- in the way we think we're supposed to change the world. Well, let us get right into the message. I'm going to read from Galatians chapter 1 and um, we're getting into verse 3. This is what Paul writes to the Galatians. He says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil world according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The NIV translation says this present evil age. So it talks about the world as a age or as a system that there is. Now we find that this world system has got something about it. It is called works. It is called living by the power of the flesh, living by your own ability. This world system or this age of the of mortality started as Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And we find that sin came into this world and then there was an age of sin, an age of man being mortal, man living by the power of his own right hand, the power of himself. But listen to this wonderful scripture that Paul is giving here or what he's writing to the Galatian church. He says to them that grace and peace is available for them from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. He gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil world. So we find that the language that is being used there is a language that is directed towards towards us from the perspective of rescuing a person from something that oppresses us. If we look at the whole Exodus story, we think of uh, the Pharaoh, we think of all the people that were in Egypt, his armies and all of those people, then we think of um, the Israelites that were slaves, we find that the calling of the Israelites were to obey God so that God could lead them out of Egypt. Now, should they not have obeyed, they would have stayed in Egypt and stayed under that age or that rule or that uh, dictatorship that was only there for a certain age and a certain period of time. And they would have died there and be destroyed there. But God came and he said, let my people go. Let my people go. And then the people, as they obeyed God, God by his power provided for them 
brought the armies of the Egyptians to an end and let the people out. And they joyously went into the desert where God provided for them. There were a lot of times of doubt and fear and all those kind of things in the desert. And they wandered in the desert for 40 years. But eventually they got to the promised land as God has promised them. So it was God saving them from Egypt. It was not God coming and empowering the Israelites to change the Egyptians into a people or into a system that is good for the Israelites. Now, there's a big difference. If you are an Israelite that's basically saying to God, God, I'm not going to move, but I am going to try and teach these Egyptians uh, good principles. I'm going to teach them to love the Lord their God with all their mind, their soul, their heart, and all their strength. I'm going to teach them how to love uh, slaves. I'm going to teach them how to have a good system that is not about them, but about others. I'm going to teach the Pharaoh on how to lay down his life for others. I mean, you, you crazy. <laughs> and you putting a burden on you that God doesn't want on you. Now, I think in the very same way we as the church has looked at the world, and I'm referring to the world as the world systems, not the people that are under the control of the world or the world system or the world's logic. God has come and he has called us out from under the world. He's called us out. He's basically given us a command to be saved from the world, not to save the world. Now, we do have a scripture in the Bible that says, for God so loved the world. And in that passage, it's referring to individuals. But in the passage where he talks about saving us from the world, he's saving us from a specific system, a specific way of thinking. And that thinking has brought forth rulers, governors, governments, and it has got a system that is well and alive and visible in this world. Uh, all of our political systems is based on the world system. None of our political systems believe in the grace of God, uh, make their uh, or call upon the resurrection power of Jesus Christ unto salvation, where their ideology and their belief is to see that people believe in Jesus Christ and where the government's purpose is to portray and be a place where the fruit of the Spirit is uh, um, is where the, the government officials pray for the sick, lay hands on the sick, where that is the purpose of the government. Now, we will find today people are in government and they, they will be Christians and they will pray and lay their hands on the sick and those kind of things and they will preach the gospel to people. But that is what they do from their personal life. That's not what they do as a representative of the government because the representative of the government is supposed to say that all religions are welcome because that's what uh, most governments say except for some muslim governments or some i don't know every country's law but in general based on what i know i know that most countries that are part of the free world and that's got a democracy basically saying you can believe in any god it's fine and the constitution makes room for people that believe in every God. Now, 
Jesus Christ didn't come to make room for every God. Christianity is about believing in the one true God. So what I'm trying to say and what I want to point out here is that our government systems, the way it works, our constitutions and all those kind of things is geared around around the law. It's about blessing a person or punishing a person according to the law. That's how it works. If you drive correctly, you will not be punished. If you pay your taxes, you will, you will, you will be blessed. Now, we even find these systems, they are written down perfectly, but then we've got the weakness of man trying to keep these laws, and they cannot. And that's why we find these systems fall short. It doesn't have eternal life. And although people put their belief and their trust in it, they find that it it comes short. It cannot save. It cannot really, really help us. It cannot save us from sin at all. But it is a system that is so close to us that we can basically not live without it. Now, back in Jesus' day, there were, there were two systems uh, for the Jews. The one was the Jewish system, which was the laws that the Jews had, the God-given laws. And by those laws, they thought they going to uh, bring in the kingdom of God, uh, usher in the kingdom of God, and so forth, especially the Pharisees. The Pharisees, I want to say this, weren't people of authority. They were just people that said, uh, normal folks saying, we need to obey the law to the letter, and we will see the blessing of God. Now, these Pharisees, the teachers of the law, and then the Sadducees, out of them were chosen priests, high priests, and people that worked uh, in the temple and so forth, and they were of authority and power. Most of them were as corrupt as what a lot of government officials are today. It was just today's system inside the temple and surrounding the temple and the synagogues and the running of the nation of Israel. Israel and the Jews then also had the Romans. The Romans had their own government system, a kind of a democracy they had there, a kind of a, they had a Senate and they had certain things there. It was not as what we have today, but they did have uh, some kind of a a system where you could uh, elect people to be in office and so forth, but not what we have. It was a dictatorship, but it was... I think it was the first time when things started to get into the right direction, according to me, according to the knowledge that I have. Well, this Roman Empire promised people development, promised people like running water, promised people trade, promised people basically a life. It was, the, it, it was seen as a source of life. As what we would have governments come to us today. The governments will say, listen, vote for us, give us your money. We will tax you and and you give us the money. And what we will do is we will create a safe environment for you. We will guarantee safety for you. We were going to have an army. We're going to have a police system. We're going to have roads. We're going to ensure your future by giving, bringing forth a system where you know that your kids are going to go to school, your grandkids are going to be safe, and so forth. We're going to provide an, a, 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 a place where you can do business, man. 
You can make money, care for yourself. So we are then basically the system that ensures your future. We're the system that gives you life. Now, this system, with all its laws and its beautiful constitutions that promise everything that's beautiful, has got a weakness. The weakness is the ability of man. Man cannot do it, therefore it is weak unto providing everything it promises. As it does not deliver up and we behold corruption uh, just made plain and laid in the open as we behold these systems, we as the church, (laughs) we think that we need to save this world. We need to save that system. And by Christians thinking we need to save our nation and save our constitutions and our countries, we get so involved in saving the world that we are not saved from the world, but that we are then caught up into the world and it destroys our lives. Now, let me read this passage again. Listen to what it says. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil world. So we are, we as Christians that believe upon Jesus, we say our future is in the hands of God. Our safety is in the hands of God. As I now say that, I think of a man that came and uh, ministered at our church. And then I said to him, um, when he drove back from the church, I said to him, uh, now be safe. And he said to me, and I was referring to drive safely and be careful. And he said to me, young man, let me tell you this. If I stay or if I go, pointing to heaven, I'm safe. So that talks about the safety that we have in Jesus Christ. That is a life that is saved from this world where safety and emotions and all those kind of things are not anymore derived from this systems and the promises of the system and if the promises can be kept. We are saved now from it where our emotions and our feelings and everything is from God who saves us from the systems of the world. So if we are saved from the systems of the world, if we are, and by that I'm not saying that we cannot, I mean we shouldn't pay our taxes or any of those things. What I'm saying is it is not our source of life anymore. Our source of life is God. That is what it is. Rome was providing itself and its rulership as a source of life for many nations. That's why they took took nations over. They promised them. That's why many people, many nations freely submitted to Rome and said, we want to be under the rule of Rome because there is a future there. But it is man's ability to try and bring what God has promised, an eternal kingdom to this earth. And that we need to know. We as the church cannot save the world. You cannot save a system which is all about ourselves. 
I, I mean, in all of our constitutions, somewhere we've got something about God. And that is, uh, you know, they say, in God we trust, like the United States Constitution, in God we trust. In which God? Whosoever is in America, whatsoever God he believes in, is what they would call upon when they say that. In God we trust. Uh, to the person who is his own God would say, in God we trust, referring to himself. So we are at a place where we need to realize we cannot save the world. There's a world system here. There's an evil system here that we cannot change and cannot save. As much as what Israel couldn't save Egypt, we cannot save the world under which there is oppression. We can only be delivered from the world even while we are in the world. How are we delivered from the world? Paul says clearly, he says that we are not of this world, but we are in this world. So I'm not of this world. What world is he talking about? He's not talking about the planet. He's not talking about, um, you know, the, this, this earth. He's talking about the systems of the world. Paul says, I am not of the law system. I'm not of the Roman system. That's not where I find my safety, and that is not even what I try to protect. The kingdom of God protects us. Our systems does not protect the kingdom of God. We are saved from those systems. We can honor those systems, but we believe in God. Glory to God. You know, if you must, you know, I think of, um, I've got some friends in town here and they run their businesses and some of them have got big businesses and some of them have got smaller businesses. And I can see the stress that can be on them because of the systems of this world. We can look at the, I think of my one friend here, um, if they close the people with restaurants and things like that, if the government closes uh, or puts in a lockdown and you cannot go to a restaurant, they cannot sell alcohol, they cannot do those kind of things, all of a sudden these businesses close down. And there is a system, and this system is run by People, some of them good, a lot of them not so good in their actions. Just thinking of their own pockets, thinking of what they do, what they can get out of the whole thing. Millions and trillions of rands can be given for as a relief fund for the coronavirus and everything. And you find that those millions and millions just disappear in government. It's just gone and never reaches the people. There are people today that are still waiting for the money the government gave uh, almost a year ago in South Africa. They have not received it. Now, imagine that we now look at this system in South Africa, and we think it is our Christian duty to save this system. No, no, we need to be saved from that system. What that means is, and it's not, it doesn't mean try and get into cryptocurrency, trying to do any of those kind of things to try and deliver yourself from the system in rebellion from the system. We as Christians, we believe in Jesus who is our source. 
who in the midst of this wicked system, even through the system or however God does it, he provides for us. For this system is not our source anymore. We are saved from the world. And then there are many people that are still under the power of this world system that lives in the fear that is in this world. And we as Christians preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to them, calling them to be saved from this evil age while they live in the earth. Do you know that the systems of this world is not eternal? It's not as if God even has to destroy it. It is self it is in self-destruction. It is, um, uh, uh, it is simply just not eternal. So let us not have our lives from that and let us not be so over-occupied with that and just focus on Jesus. What I'm trying to communicate to you is that Israel cannot save Egypt. Israel should be saved from Egypt and have a land that God promises that God gives. Glory to God. Okay, now um, let me read the verse once more and then I'm going to Ephesians. It says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of God our Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. There's a present evil age. There'll be an end to this age. It is not for us to try and change the age. It's not for us to try and change our nation. I'm not going to try and change South Africa. What I'm doing is I live in South Africa. I'm not of South Africa. I am of heaven by the birth of the resurrection inside me and in South Africa I am calling people to the kingdom of God many will believe many will believe upon Jesus and but we will still find a nation called South Africa we will still find fights arguments debates evil uh, 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 people politicians hating people hating one another people living in lusts and desires and thinking of themselves. We will find people trying to get God out of the system and we will find that age continuing until Jesus Christ returns bodily. And until that time, it's not for us to try and save the age. It's not for us to try and save the world. You will burden yourself with things you're not supposed to be burdened with. We, in Christianity, we believe in a new creation. And that's what God brings for us. Okay, let us go to Ephesians. And that, that just takes a burden off my shoulder. And I don't have to change South Africa. I'm calling South Africans to be saved from South Africa's system. To believe in Jesus. And I'm even calling people out of mortality. That is something bigger, something deeper that I maybe don't even have time to go into now. We're calling the people that find their life inside the power of their mortal ability to come out of that and find their life in the immortal God who gives us immortality through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is what it's actually all about. Okay, 
Um, I want to go to Ephesians. And let us go to chapter 2. And I want to just bring you the hope of what God's plan is for you. First point that I want to make is that we are not to try and save the world. By that I'm not saying we are not going to evangelize and see many people receive Jesus Christ. What I'm saying is we are not called to try and change the evil or wicked systems that governs this this world. We are not going to try and do that. It's not for the Christians to try and save uh, the we want to save North Koreans, but we don't want to. We're not there to try and save the North Korean system. We even find Paul say that people hate that passage in I think it's First Corinthians seven or Second Corinthians seven. It says that the way wherein you got saved. Stay that way. And then he talks to slaves. He says, if you found Christ as a slave, don't even seek freedom. Now, why would he say such a thing? But then he also says, if you can get freedom, take make use of it. But if you cannot, don't even seek it. Don't be bothered with that. Don't try and save the slavery system. He didn't even say that. Now, people will hate me for saying that, but that is what the Apostle Paul said. The reason why he said that is because he knew the slavery system is anyway temporal. It's going to die off anyway. But you, you can lose your life in trying to fight against that. Rather trust God and find your joy in God. We will see how this system ends anyway. That is how it works. Now, many people will differ with me on that. We can debate about that. I don't want to debate that now. I can't do that in my mind when thinking what you are saying. I'm going to get off the point. What I'm trying to say is this, that in South Africa, when I'm here, I'm not going to try and see how we can save the nation by bringing, by trying to bring in newer, better laws so that the nation, by having better laws, can now be saved. We are saved by the resurrection power of Jesus Christ as we believe upon him. That takes a massive burden off our backs. That puts us in a place where we can focus on God's love for us, God's love for all people. We can also be at a place where we are not so discouraged all the time. Some of those slaves in Paul's time, you know, slavery was like electricity, man. It was the way people got things done. It would not have worked if you right there went and Paul, if Paul right there went and said, I I want I demand the end of slavery now. That's not how you can treat people. Although Paul did do that in his letter to Philemon, but um, if if he stood up and boldly made it his his thing to end slavery, they would just killed him killed him in a week. You know that is all, and the, he wouldn't have preached. But what he what he basically said is, listen, man. Right there where you are, receive Jesus. Right there where you are, even as a slave, under a slave master, come out of that system. Not by not being a slave, but finding your identity and your hope in something else. From where you have your source of life. That is true for businessmen. That is true for people that work for, 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 boss, for, for a boss and all those kind of things. Listen, if you work for a a boss that is not good, 
If you can find another job, find it. If you cannot find another job right now, remain as you are and just find your identity in Christ. Don't try and save your boss's job and the way he runs the system by all the time coming against him saying, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, trying to save yourself by saving the system. You're going you're gonna to make life very difficult for yourself. That is all that's going to happen. You're going to find nothing's going to change. Pray, find your identity in Jesus Christ. That's how it works. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in, he in the heavenly realms in Christ in order that in the ages, that, that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And it is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. For we are his handiwork created in Christ Jesus to good works which God prepared in advance for us to walk in. Okay, now, <laughs> this is such a powerful, powerful scripture. What is he saying? He says, uh, and this is the hope we have as a Christian, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead so that God can give us eternal life. This resurrection from the dead is simply just seen as the, the beginning or the platform or the antidote to death so that we can live forever so that God in the ages to come, in the eons to come, can continually forever perpetually, without stop, show the greatness of his love and his kindness and his goodness towards us. In this age, in this eon, if you want to call it like that, in this age and in this world, we find the goodness of God expressed towards us in saving us from this evil world, wherein while there is an evil world, we live from another world even in the midst of this evil world, and we've got a smile on our face, we've got hope, we've got protection in our hearts, safety, a life that is born from the knowledge of the, of the fact that we have eternal life and eons to come wherein we will live with God, with Jesus on this earth, wherein he will in ages and ages to come, in eternity, continue, continually express the endless dimensions of his grace and his love and his kindness in us, wherein, he, wherein we would be the display window of his grace and his continual goodness. So let us as Christians know we cannot save the world. We are here to preach to people that are under the influence of the world and call them out from under the world for this age will end and in this age we already have the life of the future the eternal life from where we live now and so we are saved from the world and we're not trying to save the world i find that we can get so occupied with keeping the world system as christian as possible 
Now, if the world system is more Christ-like and it honors people and so forth, it is better, but it can never lead unto salvation whatsoever. So here it says that uh, in verse 6, that God raised him up from the dead and placed him in heavenly places so that, in order that, in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. You cannot compare his grace with anything. It's incomparable, the riches of his grace. I'll explain it this way. Now, I'm going to use a comparison. So this means that this comparison, when I try to explain incomparable, is not actually incomparable. But let's try our best. If I take... You know, when a kid, when a kids are at the ocean, they get like, it looks like a little blue tub, um, you know, with stars and starfish and all those kind of things. It looks like a little ocean there. And then they put sand in it and they put a little bit of the ocean water there. And then those babies or very young kids play in that. Now, if I take that and I put a little fish in there and everything, and I look at that, how can you compare that? To the ocean, the world's oceans, it's like you cannot compare it. It's incomparable, yet we've just made a comparison. Here the Bible says that in the ages to come, he will show the incomparable riches of his grace that will be expressed in us, in his kindness through Christ. Isn't that beautiful? So by his kindness, by his goodness, in the ages to come, we will find this kingdom manifest. Now, we today are at the place where we find uh, God has called us out from Egypt and he's given us a promised land. That promised land is what we await in the resurrection. But right now, as we are walking towards the promised land, we find that we live by the supernatural power of God. The bread that falls daily from heaven, the manna, that's from God. We don't live by our own power, although we are not yet in the promised land. We find a cloud in the day. We find a a pillar of fire at night providing for us all the time, while we are not yet seeing the full expression of eternal life in us. So we, right now, rest. We absolutely rest. And the temptation that there is today is to go back to Egypt, to try and save Egypt, to make Egypt a safe haven, to find protection under that dictatorship. And that is not what we should do. What we should do is say, we cannot save Egypt. We've been saved from Egypt and we are awaiting our new immortal body and country, the glorification of everything. That is what it is all about, church. And I preach this with all the love in my heart. Should we try and think we can change Egypt? We can change the systems of this world. We can change, we can just get the works world system to be more Christ-like and there, therefore we will have a more sure future. We're in trouble. What that will do is that will cause us to read scriptures in a way where it is interpreted 
not with Christ as the center point, but governments as the center point. We'll find our prophecies all of a sudden not about Jesus Christ anymore, but about the systems of this world. And it brings so much pain. It brings so much heartache. I cannot tell you how, how many people write me and say to me, when things in America didn't work out the way they thought it was going to work out, that their lives are falling apart. They don't know what to think. They don't know what the voice of God is anymore. They don't know what God is saying anymore. They don't know where to start. They don't know if they must believe another conspiracy theory to think that maybe Trump is going to, something's going to happen that he's going to come in in a month or something like that. They don't know what to believe. They don't know where they stand with the church. Now they've got the COVID and everything and lockdowns and mosques and uh, laws. They don't know. They're just in fear, paranoid, man. That happens, and it happens to all of us sometime in our lives, when we think we need to change the world, because from this world, if these world systems are just more like Christ, and we can try and infuse the kingdom of God into Egypt, we can find a safe place. God is not calling us to change Egypt. He says, go, I will lead you. Go, I will lead you. And I've got a promised land for you. But God, I cannot see how I will be safe if I don't actively change Egypt now. God says, listen, and, but God, there's just a desert out there. I don't know what's going to take place there. Believe me. Trust me. Just believe me. You will see how I help you and guide you and care for you. Now, we know that we cannot physically go somewhere now and that it doesn't talk about physically moving from one country to another country. But we know that it talks about spiritually. Spiritually, we've moved from putting our trust in man and what man can provide by his own power to God and only God. And we're not going to try and empower the arm of man. There's a lot that I can say more about this. But I think that you get the point. Let's read again Ephesians. It says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ. For it is by grace that we are saved. Saved from what? Let us read uh, Acts. I must just find the verse. I didn't write it down, but let's go to Acts chapter 2. We're going to see what Peter preached. It says, Peter replied, this was just preaching after Jesus Christ was crucified and he rose from the dead, the Holy Spirit was poured out. And then he preached and he said to them, therefore, let all Israel be sure of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. So he said to the Jews, you crucified Jesus. I just had somebody else. I said, uh, Jesus corrected the Jews and Paul corrected the Jews and then he says why do you say Jews Jews are you anti-Semite 
My goodness. You know, when, when the, that's what I, I'm not even going to try and change that. You can't change the world. Uh, you preach the gospel and then the gospel saves people from a worldly way of thinking. Here, Peter says, and let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? They basically came and realized they crucified their own Messiah. Now, what are we going to do now? Listen to what he says. Peter replied, okay, first I want to ask, why did they crucify the Messiah? Because they tried to keep the system. That's why they crucified the Messiah. And I want to say today, if you want to keep the system, you can only keep the system by crucifying the Messiah. That's the only way. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. What sins was he talking about there? He talks about the forgiven for what they've done. And it also implies the deliverance from the power of death over them. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, for all that are far off, for all whom the Lord will call. Listen to this. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Okay, so what was the saving? The saving was to be saved from the corrupt generation. What was the corrupt generation? The corrupt generation was the Romans as well as the Jewish way of thinking. The Jewish way of thinking was saving the system, we by our works, and we're not going to have it by grace. And we are going to be safe inside our system. That is it. He says, save yourself from that system. Please save yourself from that world. How? By putting your life in Jesus. Believing, I can't say putting your life in Jesus. He's, he puts us in him. But putting our trust in Jesus, who is the promise of eternal life. Glory to God. Another scripture, last one, First Peter. <clears throat> Excuse me, Second Peter. And... Um, listen to this. It says, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Okay, so it says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. So his divine power gives us everything for a godly life, not your willpower, his divine power for a godly life. <clears throat> his divine power has given us everything that we need for a, a godly life through the knowledge of him who has called us by his glory and goodness through these he has given unto us the very great and precious promises that through them you may partake, be, uh, uh, um, partake of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in this world that is caused by evil desires. So there's a corruption in this world that's caused by evil desires. There's a corruption in this world, and we are not to try and save this corrupt world world we are to believe upon jesus 
And then those who believe upon Jesus will be saved from this world. And as we are saved from this world, we have no trust in this world systems. And our trust is only in Christ. And we are a partaker of the divine nature, eternal life, through precious promises that God has made, whom he which he fulfills by his divine power and grace. That means if I live today, today, how do I live today? I today live by the knowledge that even if I have not seen the promised land, the manifestation of my immortal body, I know I live under the cloud in day. I've got the pillar of fire by night. I've got the manna that falls from heaven every day. I've got that spiritual rock that's following me that gushes out water every day. It's not by my works. It is by him. Although I, we might even, some of us, be at a place where we are still seeing the armies of the Pharaoh following us, we know that we trust in God and only God, and we are not here saying, let us go back to Egypt and save Egypt. We cannot save Egypt. Egypt and the systems of the world and man's ability to run things right and do things right by his own power is destined for utter destruction. We cannot save it. We can only preach to people that are putting their trust in it and say, save yourself from it by putting your trust in Jesus and let him be the one that saves you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I trust that this message gives you hope. Um, you know, I've, I've designed this message to bring people hope today because there are many people that are without hope in this world. There are many people not knowing how are they going to raise their kids uh, in this world because everything seems to be going backwards. The, the, the government systems, I mean, I think of myself uh, a few years ago when they were talking about the expropriation of land without compensation in South Africa. And I think of the collapse of economic systems and all of those things. And I think of what was going on in my heart. And I was thinking of preaching the gospel and where will I effectively preach the gospel? What must I do? Uh, thinking of, of moving out of South Africa maybe or something like that. I'm not saying that I that I cannot move. I'm not saying that God will not maybe move me one day to another country or anything like that. But one thing I do know is I will never make my decision based on fear. I will always make my decision led by the Holy Spirit because of uh, uh, effectively, I want to effectively preach the gospel. And should it be that I stay in this country and there is an expropriation of land and it works out that I, I continue to live here and that there is no internet anymore or none of that, then right here I'm going to be happy under the cloud in the day, under the pillar of fire at night, having the manna fall from heaven every day for me, having the rock of God provide for me right where I am, and I will with joy share the gospel here and live in the peace that God gives me daily. For I have been saved from the systems of this world and the promises it makes. We so many times live in the promises of our country, and we think that 
if God can save the country, we can be saved. If God can save the government, we can be saved. Let me tell you something, and I want to tell it to you now. I am, I believe that the governments of this world will never be saved. It will always be secular governments. That's how it's going to work. Freedom of religion for everybody. Uh, 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 right to be up, bear arms. All those kind of things is going to be there. And it's the governments are basically going to say, we try and provide a place where Christians can also come and live should they want. But I want to tell you, we as Christians don't continue to live in the safety the governments offer. A government cannot protect Christianity, man. <laughs> it's like, we're going to protect God. How do you protect God? You cannot protect God. Christianity cannot end. It will only flourish and grow. His kingdom is forevermore. Let us believe on that and not doubt. Thank you that I could have encouraged you today. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you that we can be part of an ever-increasing eternal kingdom flooded with light and life. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to have the burden upon us to save this world so that we can protect your kingdom in this world, trying to be the protectors of the kingdom. But thank you, Lord, that we as preachers and we as fathers and mothers can be uh, a people that guard over the beliefs of one another and encourage one another into looking at Jesus Christ as our Lord, where we can know that we are saved from this world, although we are in this world. And while we are in this world, we are awaiting your return. And we have the beautiful hope from where we have your fruit and all godliness and everything that we need for life right now. Amen and amen. Thank you so much that I could have ministered to you. I trust that this message has blessed you. God bless.